Welcome to the Life Exchange Podcast, where we give you practical solutions for self, community, and culture. To let you in on who we are as a team, we represent three generations partnering together to lead a local church and a global resource center called Giving Light. We often get asked our secret for successful generational partnership. Well, the reality is when you break through stereotypes and just celebrate what every person carries, it's better for everyone of every age. Today, we'll talk about how we work together as a team, our leadership dynamics, our need for one another, and a whole lot more. Well, let's get right into it. Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And today, we're going to be talking about a topic of generational partnership. And if you've been listening thus far, you may have heard me kind of slip in and out of what I call Dr. Melody. Um, Sometimes uh, when I'm thinking about it, I call her Dr. Melody. But when I'm not thinking about it, I just call her Mama Mm -hmm. uh, because that's who she is in my life. Um, Joel is a big brother to me. um, And so we get asked a lot how we do generational partnership because we represent three generations. Um, I'll call her Mama in this episode. Mama represents the baby boomer generation. Um, and Joel, you're kind of right in the cusp. You're kind of right in the middle of uh, Generation yeah. X and Millennial. Yeah. So I'll go with the younger one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, for today, we need you to be a Generation X. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. I'm Generation X. <laughs> and and I'm, the, I'm the millennial in the crew. Um, so we do represent statistically three generations, but... We don't really think in that way. It's not like when we started working together, we thought, oh, well, this is great because we represent three generations. Mm -hmm. We just work together and and that's how it is. So when people ask us about this topic, it's not something we really think about. Um, It just... It just is who we are. Uh, and I think it goes back to the the culture of validation that we have. Um, yeah. we're, we're not looking for specific differences or similarities necessarily. We're just looking f- to value one another and, and uh, see and celebrate what each one brings to the table. Um, and I think in that, you guys can tell me if you agree or disagree, um, but there's really not space for competition because we no. just value each other. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think yes, validation is like the foundation of it, but there's no there's no striving for power or right. control. Yeah. It's we we see the best in each one of us. We see the giftings, and we try to pull those things out of each one of us, and we try to rely yeah. on the giftings and and the the abilities of each one of us. Yeah. And I think that's why it works. Yeah. I think it's really powerful because when we are able to look at an individual based upon who they are, what they carry. And for me, as a baby boomer, I have always wanted to invest into a young generation because leadership is such a passion for me that I look at a young person as an emerging leader. You know, I look at the children as emerging leaders. And Mm -hmm. so how we relate and connect and invest into and how we treat uh, young people is laying a foundation for them to be the leaders that are healthy, not in competition. Yeah. So you're not looking at your grandkids and thinking, oh, they're going to take over the world and I have to keep up with them. (laughs) You're just able to celebrate and... 
I look for every opportunity to invest into their value, their worth, their identity, their purpose, speak into their lives, because I want to see them uh, rise up and be all that God created them to be. I love the scripture where it says, God chose us in him before the foundations of the world. So God planned us. He purposed us. Our life is not a mistake. He knew exactly what generation we needed to be born into, because that was the place where we would make the great greatest impact for the kingdom. And so to me, I had to kind of fight for my place as a woman uh, in in a religious world. But uh, even as a baby boomer, when, uh, you know, people began to uh, marginalize baby boomers, uh, I'm just so glad that the security was established inside of me that I would not embrace the label of a baby boomer and just be who God created me to be. Yeah, yeah. And I think the the reality is, if you look even at the Bible, uh, God is a God of generations. Yeah. He refers over and over and over again. He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's three generations. And so we, we know that God is a generational God. And um, I love the scripture in Genesis. It's Genesis 17, 7, and it says, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant yeah. to be God to you and to, to your descendants after you. And so um, really, if God is our our model, our leader, and he is a generational God, then I think it's probably pretty important that <laughs> that we are too. That we um, don't stick within just our generation, but we're we're people uh, who can work well and and celebrate generations. I think there's kind of been this big legacy mindset. Yeah. Uh, speaking from my generation, well, you know, I. I will be in control until I pass the baton. Yeah. And that is like so contrary to my methodology and what I believe God has called us to do and to be, because everything Jesus did, he was pointing people to the Father, right? And yeah. they partnered together, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They partner together equally right. to establish the kingdom. And I think that we have to get out of the legacy mindset. Now, someday I'm going to go and I want to leave a, a legacy. Long- Long time, <laughs> long time away. But the fact is, I want to partner now. Yeah, you know, I'm not looking. Say, let me pass the baton to Joel, or let me pass the baton to Katie someday. No, let's partner equally today. Let's work together, each of us giving our very best today. And that is powerful. That's collaboration. That's where we can really produce and be the best version of ourselves because we're functioning together. Yeah. Yeah. I think that baton um, analogy is is really one that sticks with me with this topic because that is, that is the way that most people think is that we're going to pass the baton, right? But I think really in partnership in kingdom, we're not passing it from one to another and then that that's it. We really should be passing it back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, good. okay, you do have strengths. The, the fact mm-hmm. is that because of when you were born, because of the society that you lived in, you have strengths mm-hmm. that I don't have and vice versa. So we actually do need to rely on each other, in, on each other's differences um, as, as much as we are partnering together and really pass that baton back and forth. It's not, uh, it's not just about, well, I'm sending you off into the future. Well, as long as you're living and breathing, you're part of that future too. And so it's, it's really... 
I think, a beautiful thing to to be able to pass that baton back and forth. If you're going to make generational partnership work, you have to be okay with tension. Mm, yeah. Dif- being different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I know it's a funny story with us, but we'll joke about like, Katie and I will see something further in advance than maybe mom will. And we'll kind of be speaking into it. And she was like, I'll ne- we'll never do that. Or, and then like, then like a year later, she's like, you know what I was thinking? <laughs> you know, so sometimes and we're it's, going, finally, finally, she's <laughs> maybe you're thinking it because we said it over and over and over and over again. But well, and I think one thing is, is because uh, you are very strategic in your gifting. Mm-hmm. And so you see the steps and the processes and some of those steps and processes are not necessarily my gifting. And so when I have a vision, I want to know how to get there. But if some of the steps to getting there are beyond my expertise or my knowledge, then it's hard for me to see that. But as we begin to walk it out, then my vision begins to connect with me watching how you take technology you know, yeah. or, you, or you bring certain things to the table and we go, oh, I see how that can be made manifested. And so instead of being me lo- being locked in to the old ways of doing things, I super embrace the new ways Yeah. so that I can see what can be. Well, there is that tension in there, right? Even though we all are all kind of on the same page or we all have the same mark, we all have right. the same goal, but recognize that we're going to see things very differently and that we have to be willing to push through the discomfort of not always being on the same page per se, but recognize that we're kind of like have the same end in mind. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes things need to be put on the shelf for a period um, until all of us can kind of work through that. Um, and I think I think that's an important thing. You know, a lot of times we think if we have an idea, it needs to happen now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's just human nature. You know, when you get the idea, that's that's when it should be happening. Or uh, we all love change when we're the instigator <laughs> oh, yeah. of it. And no one likes change as somebody else is instituting. <laughs> so as we talk through these things um, among ourselves as a team, you know, we have to recognize sometimes we have to put some desires that we have on the shelf because they might come up later, like we said, like we always joke about, like, yeah, this might be a, a year process yeah. until some of us get it. And and that's not just with you, mom. It's just with all of us. Yeah. Some of us don't see it right away. So um, we have to be okay with that tension for it to work. But one thing, when you say the word tension, it is not division. It is not... Uh, separation, no. isolation, you know, criticalness or judgment. I well, mean, I th- our hearts are so for one another, and we recognize that natural propensity when something is different from my perspectives or or my experience to recognize I will feel that, but not allow it to divide, separate, or hinder our ability to advance together. I mean, there is mutual love, honor, and celebration in the midst of those things. Yeah, and when I say tension, I'm more talking about like tension, like where you draw back a bow. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so it's a positive tension. But I think where some leaders get it uh, misunderstand it is they feel the tension and they feel like it's an attack against their authority or they feel like it's an attack against um, their input. Rather, 
we're, yeah. if we're all aiming at the same right. target, exactly. there's going to be a tension for there to be power to be released. I love how you said that because a lot of times in my generation, I've got to pick on my generation, is that we have been, we're the ones who started this yeah. church, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stephen and I, you know, we are the apostolic uh, founders of this ministry. And so we are the ones in authority. When in actuality, uh, when I fight to to maintain this level of hierarchy, yeah. being the one that controls everything. I literally sabotage our ability to advance and navigate the seasons of life and the generations. Yeah. Because the fact is, Joel, you got kids coming up. In just five years, you're going to have a quote-unquote adult son, and uh, he's going to have his own ideas. Mm -hmm. And so we have another gen, you know, is that Gen Z, right? Yeah. And so another one coming up very shortly. And so we we cannot fight to maintain or establish or demand our authority because guess what? There is a higher authority and yeah. that's the one we're serving yeah. and that's our God. Yeah. I think a lot of times when that tension goes wrong is when there's fear at the table. Yes, exactly. Because, um, because what what fear does is it moves us into self-preservation. So I'm going to protect and keep what is mine, what I fought for, what I established, uh, my ways of thinking. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's when those little uh, opportunities for uh, discord and for um, bitterness, and, and that's when those seeds get planted, uh, is when we allow fear to drive uh, our decision-making and our vision. Um, because the fact is, um, if we're going to do this together, it's it's going to look different as time goes on. And, and even if we're going to do this with God, it's going to look different as mm -hmm. time goes on. And yeah. so um, I think it's just really, really important, especially when you are having conversations with um, multi-generations working together to really check our hearts and say, okay, when, when they said that and I felt something, what was the driving force behind that thought? Is it wisdom or is it actually self-preservation? Am I actually... Mm -hmm. Um, looking to protect something that that maybe I don't need to protect. Maybe the the best thing to do is um, to allow that dialogue and that discourse and and that partnership. I I have birthed some spiritual babies through the years, and those babies are so valuable to me. You know, I paid mm -hmm. a huge yeah. price for those babies to be birthed, and I yeah. raised them, and I invested into them, and uh, times change, uh, systems change. Uh, you guys come along and say, we can do this, and I go, oh, but this is my baby. Yeah. And I mean, um, we're sitting in a recording studio right now yeah. that used to be a dormitory. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. That was my baby. The yeah. dormitory with young people that I was going to invest into so they could uh, go and change the world for good. And you're exactly right. And it was a good, it was a really, really good chapter. It was it a really sure was. good season. Mm -hmm. And I remember we decided we we're going to, now it's time for an audio studio, a video studio, yeah. all these things. And and so you and Joel, and I don't know, Stephen, who all did it, but you're in here smashing yeah, the yeah. bunk beds, and you're so excited, <laughs> and you send me this picture of this pile of wood in the middle of this room that we're sitting in right now, and 
uh, I I shed a few tears yeah. because that was a baby I gave my life for, and now is this pile of wood in the middle of the floor. But if I would have been willing to go through giving my baby, allowing the baby, the vision mm -hmm. to grow up and go to the next level, letting it go. It's like letting go of the good for the great. Letting go what I birthed for what we can birth together. And or so- Or even just letting go of a season into another season. Yeah. Transition isn't yeah. always easy, is it? Transition yeah. brings change. And to let go of the old for the new, I think is a challenge for all of us. You know, people, they call it the emptiness when their kids go. Yeah. I never had that, yeah. but- uh, No, you, you you kicked me out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not literally. I was just- it was, Well, it, I was still living at home before I got married. And I think it was like- Two weeks. Two weeks weeks and then so mom wanted her office at that moment so I was on the couch for two weeks yeah. and so uh, I didn't no, have any problem you leaving there was no <laughs> empty nest syndrome uh, with my family and you end up working for us and being a part of the whole thing and now we're doing life together but it's so true you know I sh I shed a few tears but it was allowing the past to literally be a launching pad to something bigger, something better, something greater. And I think there really is something to say in this about um, memorial stones. Yeah. And I think sometimes, especially as um, as passionate visionaries, uh, we want to run for And I'll speak as my own generation. We want to run forward uh, with, you know guns blazing. And I think there's something really tragic when we lose those memorial stones of what has come before us. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not that we don't run forward, but I think, um, those there's really, really wisdom and there's really a solid foundation when we can, um, look and glean from those who have paved the way for us, uh, to run forward and, and learn from those things and celebrate those things and honor those things. And, uh, even, um, mama was talking about those bunk beds, uh, that, that we, we broke apart. <laughs> um, but in our video studio, if you've ever seen any of our videos with the yellow chairs in the background, there's some, there's a piece of, uh, art on the wall and it has pieces of those bunk beds yeah. in, in that display. And yeah. so, um, that's just a really, really simple, really, um, visual, uh, reminder, but but I think those stories are really important. So even as a young generation going back and just asking and inquiring, how did you do this? Tell me about um, the price that you paid. Tell me about the sacrifice that you made. Tell me about what the culture was like then. Because to be honest, um, you paved the way, mama. You paved the way for me in so many ways. And even Joel, like you sacrificed big time for things that I have never had to experience. I've never had to walk through because you paid that price for me. And I don't take that lightly at all. I, I so honor and so value. And so, uh, it, it humbles me, um, because you guys did those things. And so I don't, if, if I would lose sight of that and just say, oh, well, I know, you know, I know best, we're just going to plow forward and never took the time and the humility to remember and respect and honor those things. I think it would really set me up um, for a lot of trouble and, and to fail in a lot of ways. So I think that's just really important, those memorial stones. I agree. They're, they're powerful. And if you think about it, 
everything in our life is progressive, line upon line, here a little, there a little, step by step. And recognizing that this building we're sitting in, you know, dorms, what was dorms, classrooms, is now being used uh, not just to touch a few, but to touch many globally. And so that was a beautiful, beautiful season. We all learned, I learned so much uh, from my own mistakes that I was able to pass on, say, okay, guys, let me share this or let me share that so we don't have to repeat the mistakes so that we can learn from the things we did well. We can learn from the mistakes of others. and, and, And I think that's really powerful. And I think that's where we have to be vulnerable. We have to be honest. We have to be authentic. Uh, we don't do the power grabbing. Yeah. It's my greatest place of power as a leader is to give power to you guys so you can lead effectively and be a support to that. And what happens is we advance, we excel, we increase exponentially because we have shared power. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there, uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but even in those really big um, decisions that we've made, um, we we did do that together. Yeah. We had the conversations together, and mm-hmm. um, and sometimes it was a waiting thing. Sometimes we were all on the same page, and and um, we knew it was time. Um, but it was never like I remember some transitions. Mama, you you came to me one in particular. You came to me on a Sunday morning. You said I need to talk to you. Well, that's always great when somebody's like comes to you in a serious voice. <laughs> I need to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, all right. I'm already gearing up. What is this going to be? And and you said that you were feeling this transition coming. And I don't know if you didn't know how I was going to take it or or what. But you said, and I was like, oh. Finally, <laughs> it's not something we had talked about, but in my spirit, um, the transition, had, I think had already been happening in all of us. Um, but, but then it, you just said, okay, I need to talk to you. This is what I'm feeling. It wasn't, it wasn't, I've made a decision. Yeah. It was, uh, this is, this is what's happening. This is what I'm feeling. Let me know what your, what your thoughts are in this. And now I also want to say, I do think in a lot of these round table type of conversations, I think. Uh, we can get this idea that that we all have an even um, we do all have a say we all have an opinion we're all able to to make our voices known um, but I do think there is something to be mentioned here about um, authority mm-hmm. in that really mama uh, papa you guys are the founding members and so not that you would ever make a decision that would hurt us or that would um, that would just be because it's what you feel. However, and Joel, you can speak to this, but I think if there was something that you were feeling needed to happen, and maybe I wasn't quite there yet, but it was your decision, I trust you enough right. that I would follow your lead and not try to usurp authority because really you are the founding authority. And I think what you just said is really good. We do trust each other. And I think when the rubber meets the road, that's what gives us an ability because you know, I'm not trying to take anything from you. I'm trying to empower you. And I know you're not trying to take anything from me or devalue my pastor, my 
uh, knowledge or my experiences. I know you celebrate them. And so I think it's validation and I do believe it's trust. And trust, which I believe we talked about in another episode, uh, trust is built over the long haul. Yeah. And so we have a history of proving to one another that we're out for each other's good. Yeah. You can find what we're talking about in Ephesians 5. Submit yourself yeah. one to, to another. another. And obviously, yes, I do believe that there is uh, authority and that there is some sense of hierarchy in the sense of like the buck stops here. Right. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there's not dialogue, that yeah. there's not understanding, there's not communication, uh, there's not laying down your life for one another. All those things are important, but it centers around submitting yourself, honoring each other, uh, submitting yourselves one to another. So I think that's really the foundation of what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the biggest divisions, the biggest destructive things is when one generation will stereotype or label well, that, another generation. That's why, you know, we're using these labels like this generation or generational partnership, but we never think about no, it in don't. that yeah. way. Yeah. A lot of people, when they ask us, you know, how, how does this work? Like it kind of is confusing to me because we would be on round tables or in conferences and they were like, oh, generational partnership, how to, how to bridge the gap between generations. And in our thinking is we don't even think of it in no, that yeah. way. We don't even, uh, segregate ourselves into those categories. Correct. We just we just do life together. But we, obviously other people like yeah, people sure. really think in this way because the yeah. amount of times that we get asked this, and I'm not trying to put us on a pedestal, but yeah. this is a question that yeah. we get asked often. Well I think it starts with removing the barriers of yeah. that. well you know millennials. Millennials yeah. are like yeah, this. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know and, and it's with that cutting uh uh, devaluing edge of labeling every person in an age category yeah. of being a certain way or like, well, you know, baby boomers, they're like, whatever, you know? And, yeah. and uh, you know, it's, it's, we got to get rid of every stereotype because it is a judgment that divides, not unites. It yeah. is super divisive. And, yeah. I, and it doesn't make sense to me to put uh, us in these different categories. And it's actually because I've been in some environments where I've seen older leaders be so critical yeah. of a young generation or how they're doing it. And I'm thinking, you know, I just don't, I just don't get it. But I realize what, what you don't understand, you'll be critical yeah. of. That's yeah. right. Yeah. We're critical of what we don't understand. Yeah. And when we don't take time to understand, we become... That just takes questions, yeah. right? Yeah, just we become the problem. See, yeah, exactly. And now the very thing that God has given me to build with, I'm pushing away because... And and really, I don't even think we think different. I think we think yeah. so much alike. We just have different skills. We just are in different stages of our life, and and uh, you know, it's just our lives are different in different contexts. I got wrinkles. You don't. You know, I'm, I'm, well, I've I'm got starting. Grand... I'm starting to get gray hair. Are you maybe one or Not two? Me. No. Well, you know, it doesn't bother me. Uh, yeah, I am chemically dependent, so you don't see any of mine. And uh, but you you're know, talking it, about hair dye, right? Hair, we're not yeah, talk, yeah, yeah. talking about. It's good to clarify there. Yeah. But you know, we're in different stages of life, and so. But the fact is, when 
biblical truth is our foundation. Mm-hmm. It connects us to the thoughts and the ways of heaven. Yeah. And when we act and function the way God functions, we will not be divided generationally at all. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking of recent examples. Um, recently, I was I was preaching to our church and somebody told me afterward, they said, you preach like a millennial. And they were, this wasn't, it, it was not a negative comment. They mm-hmm. were just saying the language that I mm-hmm. use mm-hmm. is more millennial language because guess what? It's, it's the language that I speak. However, um, th- probably that same week or, or in that same time frame, and we hear this all the time, is that somebody will be talking to the three of us separately and they say, well, you're They'll saying the, the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. So we say it in our in different language, but we're saying the same thing. We might use different wording, different analogies, different experiences, but we are we're really all on the same same place here. This will probably be probably be another podcast, but it really comes down to covenant. Yeah. yeah. And covenant begins with an agreement. Mhm. I know that you probably don't hear many scriptures from Amos, but in Amos, <laughs> it talks about how could two people walk together if they're not in agreement? Yeah. So if if you're in a business or if you're in in a church culture or or family, you're not gonna you're gonna not make headway or you're not gonna advance if there's not some sense of agreement because obviously we all see things differently, we all have different perspectives, we all have different talents and giftings. But if we're all aiming at the same target, there's gonna be a real synergy there. There's gonna be real power behind that. So if, if you're looking at your organization or your church culture, I think it has to start with are we are we actually aiming at the same target? Yeah. Because if you're not, it's really not going to work. Yeah. And I think when you say the word agreement, that that needs to be agreement of heart. Because there's a lot of ways right. something can be done. Yeah, it's not about mm-hmm. the mechanics of it. That's right. Yeah. It's it's about the heart posturing. And that's where what God is love. Everything he does is in love. Even if we disagree with him, he still loves us and works with us mm-hmm. until we finally align up with his truth, right? Yeah. And But he never rejects us. He never stereotypes us. He's never critical of us. He never judges us harshly. Yeah. Uh, he is always working with us uh, so that he can move through us powerfully. And, and I think that's what we have to do. We have to have that covenant of heart that can Hell or high water. This was Kenneth Hagin's years ago. This is a baby boomer one. Come hell or high water, over or under, sink or swim. Yeah. You know, I'm going to believe the word of God. And so I think we have to have some uh, codes, some some, uh, levels of morality and truth that we're going to walk in. Um, The fact is, I'm not here to take advantage of you for my gain. Yeah. And you're not here to use me for the platform we built. Right. And that's something that I've seen a lot in the church. And it, it it's it's hurtful because I see an older generation, well, we'll pull in these young ones so that we can have this or have this. And yeah, then, yeah. then the young ones are like, well, they have the platform, so I'm going to partner with them. Yeah. And it's just a bunch of usury right. that's going on. And there's not really true kingdom partnership. Right. It's just what what can I do so that I can receive the 
best kind of like yeah. I so it, it's more of a selfish motive yeah. and so I think we need to check our hearts in that mm-hmm. if we're if we're partnering with someone just because of a platform that's wrong that's yeah good. if we're just partnering with good a preaching. younger person just because they they have tech savvy or they have a different uh um uh, a place of influence, that's usury. Yeah. Now, if we can have the same heart, the same uh, vision, and we partner together and there's love and trust, then yes, that works. But if it's just solely about getting your own needs met or getting um, getting your quote-unquote calling fulfilled, I, I just think it, it's not stepping out on the... It's, it's not a good foundation. And I think all of us are very aware... When someone is taking advantage of us, yeah. of us for their own gain. For sure. And that destroys trust. It hinders heart connection. And now we just have a job yeah. or we just are working together, but we're not connected. And there's and, really not longevity there. It's no, going to crumble. And it's going to cause a lot of hurt and a lot of pain, really. Because when something better comes along, I'm out of here. Yeah. (laughs) If I'm using you, okay, oh, somebody comes along, they have a better skill. You're gone and somebody else comes in. But when there's really true heart connection, you'll never do anything to violate that person or hinder their ability. It's like climbing the the corporate church ladder. It's like, okay, I'm in with this because this is the platform that I'm getting. But when a bigger platform comes on, guess what I'm... I'm I'm getting on the next train out of here. Right. And so there's no really commitment or and I I understand that things change. Yeah, I'm yeah. not saying that you can't, you know, uh take opportunities as they come, but if that is your heart just to looking who looking who who is the next, you know, your next stepping stone, I, I just think it's the wrong heart. Sure yeah, is. and I think I think in that um even speaking generationally, I think there's really power in the young, and uh, speaking as a millennial, um, in the young, learning from the perseverance and the commitment and the steadfastness of a previous generation. Because to be honest, like I can say this from my own perspective, there can be this um, tendency to just move on because technology moves so fast, because our culture moves mm-hmm. so fast, mm-hmm. our attention spans move so fast. So there can be this this propensity to just keep moving forward. Um, and letting go of things really quickly. Mm-hmm. But I think there's really something for for me, for us to learn in um, paying the price and in staying the course and in perseverance and endurance. Um, and so that in that, and even in the church, uh, I think that's really powerful for if, if you are in that younger generation, just kind of check your heart, check your mind and say, um, am I willing to be committed? Uh, am I willing for this to cost me something? Am yeah. I willing to plant some roots here? even if uh, it might not be forever, but I'm going to commit for this season. I'm going to choose to really be firm and and be steady in this. And then I would say um, from an older perspective, um, sometimes from what I've seen, you can can correct me if you disagree, um, but I've seen where the older ones will look at the younger ones and say, I'm going to train them up to be exactly like me. (laughs) And so that can really be a deterrent and off-putting to a younger generation because we don't necessarily want to do things the exact same way. But 
if you see a young person and their heart is um, soft to the Lord, it's teachable, it's uh, it's humble, um, if there are those heart elements there, then I think it's important for that older generation to give some some space um, for them to create something. And I, and I was thinking about my own experience. Um, I remember I was 22 years old and I did grow up in the church, so they knew me, um, but I wasn't in any kind of leadership capacity. I didn't, I had no inklings that I would be in a leadership capacity. But I remember the Lord kind of led me to volunteer. And and so I said, can I volunteer? And it wasn't too long. And mama, you said, hey, would you start? And there was nothing established. Would you start our prophetic team ministry? And I just remember thinking, why does she think I'm qualified for this? And here I am leading people many years, my senior who are much more experienced in the prophetic and training in those things. But really you said, okay, you create the structure, you create it, you lead it. And I just remember thinking, like I remember thinking, why is she trusting me with this? And maybe you can, if you remember, you can speak to that. Well, how old were you when you started taking my prophetic courses? 12 or 13? <laughs> you were really young. I was hungry for the prophetic, so every yeah, time it came around, uh, I took it. You have a call to the prophetic. You were in absolutely every single one of my prophetic trainings. And what's the Bible says? Uh, only baby boomers yeah. or only... De- no, it says, who by reason of use have their senses exercised yeah. to discern both good and evil when it... you know. So the more we practice the prophetic, the more it takes and matures our gift. Mm-hmm. So 13, 14, 15 years old, 16 years old, 17, 18, look at the years you invested continually into developing your prophetic gifting, into coming into an awareness of your calling. Without platform. Without platform, right. You were doing it because you were just so hungry. And also, you were so schooled in our prophetic protocol, how we did things in such a righteous way to protect the person being prophesied over and the person prophesying. You understood the whole... context of how we functioned in the prophetic. So really, you were the perfect pit. (laughs) Even though you were young, uh, and really, twenty, we were 27 (laughs) when we started pioneering the church, so you're only a couple years younger, but you spent years uh, serving. You spent years being a part of it and growing and being hungry without any agenda. Yeah. And so it was very easy to see the gift that you carried the heart you carried, the loyalty you carried, and your one thing that I am very good at is recognizing people's skills, passions, purposes, and those things. And I recognize the skill you carried to develop structure. And so you were a perfect one. So to me, it really wasn't a risk. <laughs> uh, but Also, I think it's very important that when you stepped into that, you didn't step step into that without support. Yeah. And I I think I said all that, not for you to (laughs) say those things about me, Um, but to say that look for those ones that have the heart. Yes. And then give them some space. And you know what? That could be messy. That when you when you said okay, you do it, there there could have been messes that you had to clean up. I think that's a really a good point because I I see where leaders want the younger generation to come along and partner with them, but when they start making mistakes, they freak out. Yeah, or even just decisions and things look different. Yeah, yeah. 
or just give people the freedom to kind of work it out on their own. And that doesn't mean that you can't offer your wisdom or your guidance. It just means you can't be micromanaging every aspect. See, or, I, and I'm not a micromanager. Yeah. It's probably what's delivered me from all that. <laughs> and uh, because I'm not, because one thing, I was always an adventurer. So when I was young, I'd get on the plane and fly. I went to work for the FBI. Yeah. I mean, I did all kinds of crazy adventurous things. And I want to see that for young people. I want to see you take the risk and do those things. And I remember when you first started working for us, what was it, 22? How old were you when you started working? 22 or 23. Yeah. And when you started working for us, uh, you would call all the time, well, is it okay if I do this? Yeah. Is it okay? You know, you were asking for permission because that's all you ever knew in leadership. Yeah. And um, and I said, just do it. Yeah. And you go, well, what if I do something you <laughs> what don't... What if I break the whole thing? <laughs> or what if I do something you don't yeah. like or don't want? And I said, well, if that happens, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And so I actually gave you permission to make a mistake because I knew in my heart that's how you would learn. Yeah. Not by doing it perfectly, but by stepping out and say, oh, that didn't work out like I thought it was. So in that itself was education. Yeah. And see, I think one thing, and we can do it as par parents or grandparents, we don't want to see anyone make a mistake yeah. when in actuality our mistakes are the things that really empower us. And one thing I know through neuroscience, the brain is not fully matured till they're 25 to 30 years old. Yeah. So we're expecting somebody that's 20, 18, 17, 25 to function, you know, with the maturity that they they can't until there's experience. Yeah. And so we've got to give them the experience but support them you know, and encourage them and not be critical of them. I think it's just so, and not just other generations, anyone. Th yeah. This is just common courtesy, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. You kind of touched on this before, Katie, but I thought it was important to bring it up again. For generational partnership to work, there's going to have to be a sacrifice on both parties. Yeah. There's going to be a cost on both parties. So whether it's the young person having to lay down, well, in both cases, probably lay down pride, but mm -hmm. there's going to have to be things that you have that you have to be willing to lay down for this to work. Yeah. So I encourage you guys with that. Um, if you if you're looking that it's just going to benefit one party, well, that to me is more usury than partnership. Yeah. Ooh, that's a that's a weighty statement. Uh, one thing I think is important uh, is. When we give someone responsibility, I'm talking from my leadership passion, but when we give someone responsibility, we must give them authority. That yeah. doesn't mean, you know, you you talked about it, you know, you respect us as, you know, pioneering pastors or whatever, but the fact is if I give, oh my gosh, can you imagine if I micromanage Joe and the worship team when I have no knowledge <laughs> of instruments or music or notes or instruments, and I say, well, you have to do this. You have to sing the song I want you to sing, and I need you to do this, and no, I want this style. I don't want that style. You and know what? You probably wouldn't be here, or you would be just a miserable person. Yeah. And I think that happens a lot of times. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, I've seen it. Yeah. You know, um, in other in other environments where you have 
the the lead pastor leading things that they don't have experience in or even knowledge of. And there's frustration on both parties because obviously when you don't have the language to communicate something, there's going to be uh, a frustration there. Yeah. So, and and so I think it's just just common sense in corporate in the corporate world. You hire somebody with a responsibility. You got to give them mm-hmm. the authority to do their job. Yeah. yeah. And so when when Joel was put, you know, Joel, I don't want to say put over the worship team. He built the worship team. But when he did that, you know, if I tried to micromanage that or demanded it to look the way I wanted it to look, because when you started, Joel, it was rocky. <laughs> and there was a lot of opposition. He's two Rockies. And I go, he's paying the price yeah. for this. Yep. Just suck it up. And, yeah. and you know, there was time, times it was probably a little rocky for me. But mm. am I going to try to control that? Right. Uh, no. And the fact is, I mean, I think we have one of, you know, the greatest worship services around, you know. And, but if I'm giving him authority, uh, responsibility, I got to give him authority. The same with you, Katie. That's what I did. If if I give uh, you the the responsibility to run something or or to build something, uh, I have to allow you to have that authority to do that. Or any person that we lead, if it's a Sunday school teacher or whatever, yeah. we get we we have structure, we have guidelines, we have those things, but we've got to give them the freedom. And that, think- that's really important to give them the freedom. It's something that always makes me chuckle. But when I look at in times past where leaders, God, God, send revival, yeah. uh, raise yeah. up the younger generation, God, pour out revival, pour out your spirit on the younger generation. And then the younger generation gets involved and then they're upset that the music changed. Yeah. 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 There Which you go. doesn't make sense to me because. You cried out for God to pour out His Spirit on the young people. They're going to bring their own sound. Yep. They're going to bring what they're passionate about. They're going to bring the things that influence them. Yeah. And so it, it it's like a misnomer to say, okay, pray for them. Pray for the younger generation that they partner, that they rise up for longevity in, in ministry, and then... Make them look just like us. Yes. <laughs> Make them yeah. look exactly how... <laughs> it's kind of like crying out for change and then being upset when change happens. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Really good points, Joel. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was just going to say, um, going back to... So like when I came on staff... Um, I think what that allowed me to do, you giving me permission, because I think within six months I had changed just about every structure <laughs> that could be changed in the in the workings of it, the logistics of it. But I think what that did was it gave me buy-in. Mm-hmm. It showed me that you trusted me. Mm-hmm. And so then what am I going to do with that is I am representing this ministry. I am representing not just me, I'm representing us. And so because you gave me the liberty to do that, I wanted to do all in my power to represent you well, to represent us well, to represent the kingdom well. And so I think it's a risk. It is going to make messes, um, but what it does is it gives the it gives each other the buy-in and the ownership um, to really accomplish something really beautiful. One thing Joel said earlier about fear, mm-hmm. and see what happens is if I want to hold on to the authority to do everything you change, I could no longer do it because now it's beyond my ability. Yeah. 
I don't know how to create yeah. a website. I don't know how to do all the things that you do. And so now I have just lost mm -hmm. my ability. See, trust is big deal. Yeah. Heart is big deal. I have just lost my ability to step in and take over yeah. because yeah. I don't have the ability. That's true. Yeah. to do it. And so I think when there's fear there, I've got to hold on to even the structure of something, not just the vision, but the structure of it. Because what if you get up and you leave me? Yeah, I will be stuck. Mm -hmm. And so I think so much is done in our lives uh, in generational uh, interaction, as well as leadership out of fear rather than taking the risk of one, trusting God, and two, trusting those that we partner with. Yeah. Yep. So I think as we're winding down here, um, since we are on, on this topic of generational partnership, I guess our practical uh, thing that we would leave you with is just kind of look around. Are you working with different generations. If you're not, then maybe just ask the Holy Spirit if there's a, an area of partnership that um, that you're missing out on right now uh, and how that can that can be built. Uh, if you're experiencing tension in trying to work through generational partnership, hopefully some of these things, um, the Holy Spirit was able to uh, light up some things for you. And, uh, and we just, we believe in it. We believe in partnering together, um, validating and, and celebrating one another. And, and we know that God is a God of generations. Um, and so if we're in this for the long run, we're going to need each other. And, yeah. and so I, I don't know, Joel, do you want to close this out? Yeah, I guess I can try. <laughs> um, it goes back to life exchange. Yep. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if we're going to, be carriers of the kingdom. We need every person yep. on board, you know, ready, willing. And so if we can just lay down our pride, lay down our uh, preconceived ideas, our prejudices, mm -hmm. our, um, our misunderstandings, you know, yeah. about one generation to the other. Like I said, I don't even like thinking of it in that way. Yeah. I think we just need to value people. Yes. And if we do that, there's that quote unquote exchange of life. Like when you think about it, if, if blood was not flowing through your body, you would die. <laughs> yeah. So I think a lot of times churches and visions die because there's not an exchange of life. Yeah. And so if you can do that, I think it really sets you up for success. So I'll pass on ending this uh, episode to Mama. What? Are... <laughs> well, may I just close with this? We our church is now thirty-eight years old. Uh, we've been here thirty-nine years, and in the last eight years, have been the best years of my life in ministry. It was like everything I dreamed and expected serving God to be has been made manifested by what we have established in this last season. And it has been worth the price. It's been worth going through uh, all the religious uh, stereotypes that were put upon us and, and uh, going through all those things because now I really believe we have what is truly life exchange. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. 
Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org, where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you would leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.